There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, hey, hey. Our test is in the stands. But if y'all waiting on me to apologize, hell gonna oh, freeze. Wait. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, another edition of The Points in the Paint podcast. Ben Wittenstein. Zach Badgerhouse is in the house, and you can actually see us now. Isn't yeah. that amazing, Ben? <laughs> it's pretty great. We're, we got the video cameras turned on. We'll be able to post um, a ton of clips from the show on social media, Twitter, Facebook, wherever it may be. So you'll be able to see our shining great faces, uh, which may be good or bad. Not sure yet. <laughs> we'll have to see. Um, but yeah, you can follow us to, to get some of these clips. It'll be great. Um, points paint on Twitter. We're a points in the paint podcast on Facebook. So anywhere on social media, you can find us. Um, it'll be great. You can subscribe to the podcast, be the first to get it right when it drops Tuesday morning. Uh, we got a great guest next week. Caitlin Cooper writes about the Indiana, Indiana Pacers. Uh, she's going to be joining us. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, but this week, Zach, for our story of the week, our top story tonight, we start every podcast for the past couple months with our story of the week. We talked about the Denver Nuggets last week, how good they were, how good we expect them to be. This team that we're going to talk about this week for our story of the week just beat the Denver Nuggets by yes, going on did. a 40-8 to run, <laughs> and that's the Boston Celtics. And what's funny is I sent you a text last night because we both were working, and I was like, Kimmel Walker just had a highlight that's definitely going to have to get put up. And I think that was that highlight that I was talking about specifically that put the Boston Celtics in the perfect position in terms of momentum that they needed to go into that fourth quarter to go on that 40 to eight run. Ben, I'm telling you, Kyrie, I mean, not Kyrie, Kimball Walker was guarding Will Barton. Will Barton drove to the rim. He had a uh, Kimball Walker had a great defensive play, great defensive play, swatched the ball out of his hand, gets the ball. It's like six seconds left on the clock. So he drives all the way down the lane, coast to coast, gets the layup and one. So it was just a perfect time in the game for that to take place heading into the fourth. And then we got to talk about Grant Williams, too, because he was phenomenal against Jokic, too. Yeah, that lineup of Robert Williams and Tristan Thompson really seemed to make Jokic uncomfortable. Like he he did not look like he could play well when they were guarding him. And Thompson's such a big guy. He's really good on the boards. The, the Nuggets team looked um, kind of baffled by that lineup with with Williams yeah. and Thompson. So yeah, and then like he was plus I think like twenty three. And you may look at the stat sheet and look at Grant Williams' stats during that game yeah. and say he didn't really do too much. No, it wasn't about that. It wasn't about the numbers this time. This is a stat of the week right now. <laughs> so seeing him go up against a guy, MVP candidate like Jokic, Grant Williams, and play exceptionally well the way that he did and switched on the MVP front runner the way that he did, he did a phenomenal job defensively. I got to give credit to Grant Williams last for what he did in that game. 
Yeah, so the Celtics, uh, they've won three in a row. Mm-hmm. They're starting to look pretty decent. They're over 500. This was going to be a tough road trip for them, as they know. They're, they're on the road for the next couple of games. Yep. But it's winnable games. Um, they have to play the Lakers, which should be a fun matchup. And we, we saw the Lakers play pretty well recently, even without LeBron and Anthony Davis. So this is, I think, really where we're going to see what the Celtics have in them. Because people have been counting them out, myself included, for most of the season. We, we've seen them play up and down. Yeah, they we have high expectations, like the too. Celtics. Yeah, and, and I think rightly so. I think it's it's fair to have, give them high expectations for, for the players that they have and what they've done in the past. Brad Stevens. Brad, yeah, Brad Stevens comes <laughs> high expectations. It's That's 100% true. I see, warm seat. You know how we do when it comes to Brad Stevens. <laughs> so it's tough because you, you look at you look at the way that they're set up roster-wise and you're like, this should be a top three, top four team every single season. And they just haven't been playing up to that this year. But maybe in the back half of this end of the season, they'll start to bring things together. Tatum is going to play like the Jason Tatum we expect him to play as. And then maybe they're going to play really well heading into the playoffs. I think the key for them, man, for me, is Kimba. Like I said, seeing that play and how they were able to carry that momentum swing into that fourth quarter to go on that run. And I I thought the run would stop at some point, Ben. I really did. I thought the run would stop eventually. And they just kept piling it on. And Marcus Smart got involved, and he was playing well defensively. But like I said, Kimba Walker, they go. I think they go as far as he goes. I think if he if he plays well moving forward in the rest of this season and during this road trip for the Boston Celtics, I think they can be able to climb out of that play-in scenario and really kind of climb the ladder into that sixth seed and maybe even that fifth seed moving forward. Yeah, Kemba's been um, he's been interesting this year because he's he's been up and down, and he's been that type of player who I think Boston fans and I think NBA fans have expected a little bit more from him than he has given to Boston. And maybe that just comes with age and age, you know, he's, yeah. he's not the guy that he used to be. So it, maybe it's un, unrealistic expectations, but you still know that he's a scorer. He's a guy that can spread the floor. He's a good point guard too. I mean, he's got an underrated passing ability, so he still has that potential there. And just, if he can turn it on for the playoffs, the, the Celtics are a completely different team. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Tristan Thompson being able to carry the front court with the young guy with uh, Robert Williams. I think that all will definitely do wonders for the Celtics. And uh, that what I, what, one thing I did see from the Celtics, too, is that it, uh, Brad Stevens was expanding his bench a little bit. Like he kind of went a little deeper into the bench. And I think that also helped uh, loaded go up against a loaded different Nuggets team who will go nine or ten deep. Yeah, they, they do have a deep bench. And I think that helps. And we know that the bench depth really helps come playoff time. Um, that's going to be good, especially in the early rounds. But you're going to have to rely on your guys like Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart to, to make some plays come playoff time. And I think that's the big question here, Zach, is how much do we trust the Celtics come playoff time? And you're smiling because we know that the Celtics history in the playoffs, especially with Brad Stevens and this team, is shaky at best. Do you watching them, this three-game winning streak, watching them being able to come from behind, take down the Nuggets, is your expectations, is your trust higher, lower, the same at this point for the Celtics team? Because for me, I I still don't think I trust them in the playoffs right now. Well, Ben, I think with Brad Stevens, he touched on this a little bit after the game when they beat the Nuggets. Because some of their games, these last three or the last five games, they've trailed – 
coming into the fourth quarter or coming into the third quarter, and they've kind of fought they were, their way back to win some of the, these last few games. And so he said that good teams, great teams, find a way to come back in these type of deep deficits, being down 14 late in the third or whatever the scenario may be. And so when I hear that from him, it kind of elevates a little bit in terms of confidence for me with the Celtics. However, I still have to see more from Kimba Walker, I think. Yeah, we, we just need more. We need you, you need Tatum to play like Jason Tatum that we all expect him to play. And he's still young, so he you know he's he's still got the ceiling to reach. Yeah, and Jalen's playing well too. Yeah, and Jalen yeah Jalen's playing great. I mean, he had 20 points I think against the Nuggets, and it was like a quiet 20 points. <laughs> so they they have the potential. They just need everything to kind of like come together at the right time. They haven't been able to really connect the pieces perfectly. And maybe this is the year to do it, but they struggled for most of the season. And maybe this is, you know, they hit the final stretch. They win some games, get some winning streaks, finally come together as a team, get everything to click. And maybe they hit the playoffs running. So that's certainly possible right now. If you're asking me my trust level, it's still fairly low in what the Celtics team can do in the playoffs this year. But maybe the, the maybe I'll change my mind in two weeks. Maybe we'll say, you know, the Celtics were on that six game win streak. And they're changing everyone's minds across the country. <laughs> but on the flip side, you look at another team who got off to a slow start. They kind of struggled in the beginning of the year. And now you believe they're kind of turning the tide a little bit. And they, we may see a new look Miami team moving forward. Talk a little bit about that. I do. And I think this is a great time to announce the newest segment this week. Hot off the presses. Speak <laughs> your truth. Speak and this is truth, my yeah. truth, Zach. And maybe we'll add a cool <laughs> little soundbite for this. But this is my truth is I think I gave up on the Miami Heat a little too early. And I especially probably until like two weeks ago, mm-hmm. I didn't think they were going to do much. I thought that the fact that they went to the finals last season, maybe burned out a little too much in a, a quick off season. Yeah, quick turnaround. Yeah, they, they didn't have much going for them this season. They were going to be tired, worn out from the year before, and they had a slow start and everything like that. They get Victor Oladipo. Looks pretty good in the four games that he played. Unfortunately, he got hurt. Yeah. He's going to have to deal with that right knee injury, um, which is going to be tough. They don't know how long he's going to be out. So hopefully he's back soon, maybe in time for the playoffs for them to gel. Because I know Jimmy Butler said that he's, you know, we need we need Oladipo to be able to, to reach our potential. <laughs> but the way that they have been playing has been pretty impressive, especially that game against the Blazers Sunday night. I was watching that um, last night. They they look good. Uh, Duncan Robinson is is now the shooter that he was in the bubble. He's, he's as reliable as he was when he wasn't really great to start the season. Jimmy Butler's back. He's healthy, back from COVID. That's really important for that team. Bam Adebayo looks like as a complete of a player as he ever has been. So... I think all the pieces, we talked about the Celtics needing the pieces to fit. I think the Celtics, all the pieces are fitting right now. It looks like they are ready to make another playoff run. And when you have Eric Spolster as your head coach, you really got everything going for you at that point. So my truth is, I think I gave up on the Miami Heat just a little too early, starting to turn around on them because they look like they can actually be a threat in the East. Well, my truth, if I'm going to speak my truth, I got to talk about the Atlanta Hawks. Now, I remember before the season started, I was riding high with the Hawks, think they was going to be a playoff contender, and the season starts, and that wasn't necessarily the case early on. You know, they played, they didn't play very well. Bajanovic was out, and then Clint Capella was out for a few games as well. Now, Trey Young, he's been battling a little injury, a little lingering injury, so he was out the last game, but they still found a way to win 
without Trey Young, which I think speaks volumes because we all know the usage rate on Trey Young, right? Like that's through the roof. You know, they utilize him so much throughout the offense. He has the ball in his hand majority of the time. And so to see him out and see a guy like Bajanovic step up and knock down eight threes and get a good win against another team in the Charlotte Hornets who's contending for a playoff spot as well. And to see that, it's amazing because the Atlanta Hawks are like 15 and five since uh, Nate McMillan has become the permanent head coach. Yeah. And so you so you love to see that. And then the defense has stepped up as well. Clint Capella shutting it down in the interior. Man, I've just been excited watching the Atlanta Hawks. And to see them win without Trey Young the other night was just as impressive. Except for the Miles Bridges dunk, which, you know, <laughs> thoughts, and prayer, thoughts and prayers out to Clint Capella for that one. That was a, that was a that tough was look a nice, for him. Well, that was a nice dunk. Was uh, nice. But, yeah, I mean, the Hawks have looked – Good. And that was without Trey Young, too, when they took down uh, the Hornets. They didn't have Trey Young. So I think th- this is the team that they expected to have when they made all those moves in the last offseason. And finally, with everyone healthy, they're, they're starting to look like that team. And I mean, maybe Nate McMillan is the answer. Maybe he's the coach that they need. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's 20 games. It's not the smallest of sample sizes. And they have a really good record through those 20 games. That's a pretty drastic change. It, it is, because what we've seen before that was a team that struggled to to play offense to play offensively consistently then defensively we all know Trey Young can kind of be a liability sometimes yep. as it relate as it relates yep. to him playing defense and so to see other guys be able to step up like a DeAndre Hunter or even a Diacoro kid like Diacoro kid I I like him you know I, I think he's playing well too and so when you see all that kind of unfold with a Nate McMillan, it works. It works magic. The magic works. <laughs> there you go. I had to speak our truths for the Heat and, and the Hawks. And I don't know if the, the Hawks are just quite on the Heat's level yet, but they're they're going to be there. Yeah, they're climbing. You know, they're sitting right there. They're one game above above them in, in the standing, sitting at fourth, one, two straight, won seven of their last three. Yeah, like I said, 15 of their last 20 games they've won. So, like, the momentum is there, you know, and we talked about it when they went on the road against those Western Conference teams, and they were able to handle their business a little a little bit with some of those teams. They didn't defeat all of them, but they were able to hold their, you know, their record you know, to a good to a good spot over there out west and then come back and win some more games at home. Yeah, right now they're fourth in the standings. So more likely than not, they're gonna make the playoffs unless there's yeah. a huge decline and unless they go on a on a on a huge losing streak. Because right now, like the Knicks are in the eighth spot and they are two games behind the Hawks at number four. So the Hawks still need to play at the level they have been playing, but you know, barring a huge collapse from them, I think we're gonna see them in the playoffs. Now that Eastern Conference playoff picture is disgusting when you look at it. It's just <laughs> the Knicks and the Hornets. You you have all these, like, in my mind, you have all these non-complete teams that are going to be in the playoffs. Like the Hornets, they're a young team that has potential, but you don't see them as, like, a playoff team at all. And really, it's the same with the Hawks, and it's the same with the Knicks. All those three teams, they're, they're young teams. They're not complete. They don't have all the pieces that you think would need to be going for a title, but like the Knicks are in the eighth seed and the Hornets are the sixth seed. It's, it's really weird how, how weak that side of the Eastern Conference is. All right. I got to Okay. I'm, so, I'm, I'm tired of people doing that to the oh, Eastern no. Conference. Why everybody you don't want to show the Eastern Conference some love? Someone did the same thing last night uh, via Twitter. I was watching them break down East versus West. And I'm like, come on, guys. The Atlanta Hawks, they're fourth 
in the East. They're four games above 500. Now, I know the fourth spot in the in the West is a lot different. You know, I understand that. You know, the different Nuggets currently sit, what, fourth in their fourth in the West, but they only got 19 losses, and the Atlanta Hawks have 25 losses. So I, under, so I understand where people are coming from. I think the Hawks have played well late. I think Miami has played well late. I think the Celtics are continuing to climb in the Eastern Conference. You know, the Knicks and the Hornets, I think, you know, as you described, those are teams that are still trying to find their way. But in terms of those other teams, I think they're kind of getting comfortable to what they are and what they have and just trying to move forward and try to push towards, you know, that playoff position. We'll have a next episode to talk about that Eastern Conference playoff <laughs> race. I, I want to ask Caitlin Cooper about it too next week because the Pacers are right right there with that nine seed. It's just a jumble with the seven, eight, nine, jumble. ten seed. It's like a bad <laughs> jumble, like kind of gross looking at those teams. Um, let's go. Let's make some money. Let's try to make some people some money. Um, All right. Betting corner. But Zach, I was looking at betting corner. Mm-hmm. Pretty same. No movement for no most movement. of these teams. It's been pretty consistent. Right. So if you've been betting the teams that we have been suggesting, probably making some money here because the Phoenix Suns continue to be that top team against the spread in the NBA. 34 and 18 against the spread. They're one of the better teams in the NBA right now. They look really good against the Jazz. Um, yeah. Keep hitting them. And, you know, their their next game they'll probably cover because we're going to talk about the same team that they're going to play next. Yeah. <laughs> but they're going to be the complete opposite of the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns are the best team against the spread. They're currently, like, second in the West, so they're playing very good basketball, 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. So phenomenal basketball. Chris Paul leading the way. He's scoring more as of late, 18, getting his little 18 points. Because at first he was only scoring around like 12, 13, kind of getting more, getting guys more involved. But he stepped up his scoring a little bit. Obviously, we know what Devin Booker's going to do. But you know what I do need? If they're going to be serious playoff contenders, being, you know what I need? I need DeAndre Aiden to play a lot better and or get more touches, either or. So we either take it, take, take opportunities when they come or just or just flat out just get more touches, command more touches. Cause he's seven feet, man. And I just think he could be literally a twenty and ten guy just stepping on the floor. Yeah, especially with Chris Paul. And you have Chris Paul there. You you have no excuse not to be doing <laughs> twenty and ten every night if you're DeAndre Ayton. So he's gonna he's gonna need to be important um come playoff time. But the funny thing is, I was reading something this morning in the athletic about, you know, the best lineups. Um I think it was from Zach Harper and he was tweeting out the best or he, he wrote about the best lineups. For these teams and Aiton, if you put Aiton in the starting lineup as opposed to like Dario Saric at center, the Suns are so much better with Aiton. So he he is much better than the alternative, but he still can get better. And that's the scary part is he can yes. still get better. Yes, I agree. He could definitely get better. Like 14 and 10 should be easily on an off night. An off night for DeAndre Aiton should be 18 and 10. Like, yeah. without question. I honestly yeah. believe that. An off night. And, yeah, he's still young, still learning the ropes, still learning his way, because this is only, like, year year two or year three for DeAndre Aiden. So I understand that. But at the same time, I think it's about – look, you're seven feet. I think you're more offensively skilled than a lot of other guys at your position in the NBA, Rudy Gobert. And so <laughs> – Okay. So I think, it's time we t- I think it's time we take advantage of that opportunity. We don't we don't have time to dissect all of that right there with Rudy and DeAndre, but that's an interesting statement. Um, but the Suns, I mean, tonight. So as as of this recording, so this will be yesterday when this podcast comes out. They're playing the worst team against the spread in the NBA, the Houston Rockets. So 
So sadly, we can't tell people about that game because uh, this podcast comes out the day after. But if you I'm did. guessing, yeah, the Suns. You know, we may look stupid tomorrow if the Suns lose to the Rockets. <laughs> I don't think they're gonna lose though. You got the best team and the worst team against the spread going against each other. So I think so. Go ahead and take the Suns. <laughs> Make sure you, know, you take the Suns. They do play the Heat Tuesday night, back to back. Suns Heat. That'll be interesting. I, we don't know the line yet, but that could be a very interesting game to bet with the Suns in the second half of back-to-back. Maybe resting their starters a bit if they blow out the Rockets. Not sure yet, but it's certainly that that would be a very fun game to, to bet on. That will be very fun. And I will say this. First half. First half. <laughs> you yep. did mention that last week. They are also the first half team. So even if they don't cover the whole game, you may be able to catch the first half. There you go. Best over team, New Orleans, continues to be the Pelicans. And the best under team continues to be the Lakers. So no, no. I don't think those two spots have moved in like three or four weeks. And that's because the Lakers, yeah, have no offense. And the Pelicans <laughs> have no defense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have no defense. They don't have defense. Zion was playing very well the other night. I think he had like 38 and nine. Now, I will say this for the betters out there that prefer like player props or anything of that nature. Stay away from Zion to get a double-double. That man, don't get me wrong, I'm going to get all the scoring, phenomenal player, only 20 years old, making a lot of noise, you know, everything. I, I, you know, I was one of those that we weren't riding too high on Zion at first. You know, now I kind of am a little bit. You know, I, the only thing that's going to negate him is injury, in my, in my opinion. Like, the only thing that can really stop him at this point is his own self, like if he gets hurt or anything like that. But as far as I'm concerned, if you keep doing what you're doing, you'll be a Hall of Famer in no time, <laughs> without question. 25 for the first half, 39 for the game, but he will not get you 10 rebounds. He jump out the gym, but he may not get you 10 rebounds, man. <laughs> Interesting. So you're going to go with the no to get a double-double for most no times for, for Zion. Yep. yep, no to get a double-double, exactly. Right. That'll, be good to, that'll be good to hit on. Uh, what's NBA Twitter talking about this week? What it do, baby? Some interesting stuff. Some interesting stuff. Interesting Kyrie. stuff. It did it, Schroeder. They both got ejected on Saturday night in a fun game. The game was pretty fun, pretty intense. Wow. You know, Dennis Schroeder, he was dribbling the ball. Kyrie got to hacking a little bit. And, you know, Dennis Schroeder got the foul call. He called him out on it. But Kyrie didn't like the choice of words that was used. Nope. If you don't know the details, I suggest to go look up the details of that. But... <laughs> Kyrie had every right from a respect standpoint, him being Native American and African-American. And so he felt some type of way about the, the choices of words that Dennis Schroeder chose. And it kind of went from there. So on a respect level tip, I guess I can understand that. But let's just play basketball. You know, that's what we're here to do, to play basketball. And now you got Kyrie sitting out for the next game because of personal reasons, whatever the case that may be. I saw someone on Twitter say they need to take away his game check if he's going to have all these personal days. Yeah, that's, that's a toss up. See, the the thing is, it's it's hard to comment on someone missing a game for personal reasons, but he's done that. it so much. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the appropriate line is. Like, is it after you do it like three or four times, you can start, <laughs> you can start being like, all right, this is kind of weird. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to really decide because we don't necessarily know what they are, you know, like what is it? What's the details of why you got to miss these games? Family matter. We don't know what it is. It could be some charity thing he has to still go take care of because he's done that too. Like Kyrie is really like a great dude, like off off the court. Despite all the weird stuff, you know, the, the stick, 
the sage, you know, whatever. Despite all that, he's a solid dude. You know, he really is. I seen him like I saw a video last week since we're talking about social media. I seen Kyrie. I think they played the Bulls and he like bought this kid's candy, like all of it and gave him like probably five hundred to a thousand dollars in cash and didn't even buy the candy. He just gave him the money. So like he's a good dude. Kyrie is a good dude. But every once in a while, the shenanigans are there. Yeah, he's he does a lot of stuff that doesn't get a lot of press that are really good that people just find out about and say, hey, look, look what Kyrie did. And you're like, oh, that's pretty awesome like he seems like he seems like his heart is in the right place but his head sometimes i have no idea or like or or the method if anything like the method of choice you know whatever whatever the case that is for him it may not be the correct or appropriate steps to do especially when it comes to like talking about media or that sort of thing like yeah or you got to respond to these people (laughs) it's just like it's kind of unfortunate because when you watch Kyrie play when he is healthy in the zone you could, I think, legitimately make an argument that he is the best basketball player on earth when he is feeling it. When he is, like, he's on guard. He's at that LeBron level where who's stopping him? Who's stopping Kyrie when he is playing at his best? The best of Kyrie is at that LeBron, Kevin Durant level where you're like, no no one's stopping him. No defense is stopping him. I can't deny that at all. But his biggest downfall for Kyrie's biggest downfall is availability. The best ability is availability. Can you be here? Can you show up? Are you available in terms of health? Like that's his biggest thing. And you're right. When Kyrie's in his bag, he is in his bag because he can just dissect a defense down all the way. And the difficulty of shots that Kyrie makes on a nightly basis, he plays for the Brooklyn Nets. And you know, that's not a favorable team for both of us. So to see it, it's yeah. amazing, but at the same time, you're kind of irritated because it's like, all right, they got this dude. Yeah. Now they got they got James Harden, Kevin Durant, a cheat code. So <laughs> you, got these, yeah. you got three different offensive juggernauts, and it's just like, it's not even fair, bro. Like, no matter how amazing it looks, it's not even fair. <laughs> no. Um, other stuff going on NBA Twitter, Miles Bridges we talked about, just took Clint Capella's life pretty much on a dunk. <laughs> just ended was, his life on a dunk. Just straight Tomahawk jam. I like yeah. it, too. He's been doing that for a few few months now he's been catching a couple bodies you know the windmill i saw did you see the windmill a few months yeah. back yeah miles bridges you know he definitely needs to be in that dunk contest soon again. yeah that would be a <laughs> lot of fun and people were comparing it to the anthony edwards dunk about which dunk was the best of the year and yeah it's tough i'm glad anthony that we have Edwards. decisions i might have to go anthony yeah, Edwards though yeah. anthony Edwards was a pretty solid dunk i might have to go anthony Edwards. he got he got so high on that dunk just ridiculously high look like he had springs in his shoes <laughs> um let's see what else is going on we got the james wiseman news out for the year yeah, with a torn meniscus that a torn meniscus that was obviously very clearly tough um but the very interesting part was and you could talk to any warriors fans about james wiseman and they'll tell you he has not lived up to expectations with the team and, and people are a little under underwhelmed by his play this season and Steve Kerr has tried to work him in the lineups and the analytics and shown they're not as good with with Wiseman on the court than they are off the court. So that's an issue. So there's going to have to be some decisions being made for the Warriors, I'm sure, come this offseason, next season, what they really want to do with him, because I'm sure they're in win now mode. They're going to get Clay back. They're going to have Steph, who's probably approaching the tail end of his prime in the next couple of years. You know, you're going to want to be in win now mode for the Warriors and Wiseman's 20, so he's got plenty of time to improve. But is do you want to work on him as a project while you're trying to finish out Steph's prime? See, that's a very good question right there. 
there's that balance. Do you want to have be in that position where you're working out a guy and trying to develop him like you did a Draymond Green? Because you did the same, you did the same thing with a Draymond. Like you develop him to be this great defensive player, you know, great screen setter, you know, great offensive player for for them for what they do best in terms of the offense. And so when you look at James Wiseman, he's seven feet tall, can shoot the jumper, run the floor. He's literally someone. He's a he's a project, a prospect, you no, know, without a doubt. But I think you work on him and try to develop him the same way you did other guys that were that were coming through the organization before. I know at the same time, but you got injuries too, and so it's like you got to kind of consider that too. You no, know, you know, prior to James Wiseman injury, you know, you got Clay that was out, you got other guys that were out, so it's not a problem to insert him in and let him get his feet wet to find out, you know, what he is and what he can do well. I, I, I've seen the the lapses for sure. Like, you know, he, he foul, he makes, he has dumb fouls, mm-hmm. takes uh, wrong shots, not in the right position defensively. I see it, but I don't think they need to get rid of him or anything like that, or even consider it until you know what you have fully, like, you know, year three, you know, until you know what you really have. Yeah. So we'll, I mean, we'll see what happens with Wiseman. Definitely, definitely an interesting tough loss, tough mm-hmm. loss for them. And obviously we hope he, he gets better as soon as possible. Now, the other young guy on the other <laughs> side of the country is having a really good awakening right now. That's RJ Barrett for the New York Knicks. And we saw Anthony Edwards call him out like a week ago about how he was happy that RJ Barrett got the ball at the end of the game because they're like, we're, we're good. If he beats us, you know, more power to him. That's fine. We, we expect him not to play well at all. And then next two games, Knicks and close games. And who is the guy that is helping hit shots in clutch moments? RJ Barrett. And RJ Barrett was a player that I had high hopes for over Zion, even out of that, that Duke three, like that, that main core from the, from the Duke three with Cam, RJ and Zion, everybody rode high on Zion. I was riding high on Cam. I'll be the first to tell you I was wrong on Cam Reddish. I'll be the first one to let you know. I promise. I'll be the first one to let you know. RJ, I still had like hopes for, because I know like the size is there, the talent is there. And the, and, the, and the mentality is there. See, I don't think Cam Reddish necessarily had the mentality early on, and so I think he still has he still has to grow. I think RJ, even after that comment, because who really talks about RJ Bear, right? And so to see that is like, all right, let me show you what I can do. Let me handle some business, and that's what he's been doing. It's been great. I mean, and the Knicks are. We said this all year. The Knicks' future looks bright, and it still feels weird to continually say, say that, that the Knicks' future looks good. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, all right, let's finish it out. Stat of the week. Wow. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. What's the stat of the week this week, Zach? Stat of the week goes to Jason Tatum, who was not only getting the stat of the week for this week, he was also the NBA's player of the week for the Eastern Conference last week. And he dropped 53 points, man. Tearing it up. I don't know if you saw the game, but man, oh man, he was definitely in his bag. And I think it was overdue for a guy like Jason Tatum, who has the ability to score the way he does. I think it was overdue for the 50 ball. Oh yeah, under I mean, it was it was like, come on, we we know you can be this good. When when's that fifty ball coming? So it was good to see him do that. I saw people comparing some of his shots in play to Larry Bird, which pumped the brakes a little bit. <laughs> he had a couple of Larry Bird esque plays in that game, you know, pump faking a pass and shooting it from the elbow, stealing an inbounds pass and and 
quick passing it from there, you know, things like that. But cool, cool it with the Larry Bird comparisons a little bit for Jason Tatum, but he's certainly been having a good season. He's someone who's improving every single year. And I mean, we talked about the Celtics playoff chances. They have no title shot if Tatum is not playing well. <laughs> you know, they they need him to play well. And he has been. I mean, you look at his stats in the last few games. He hasn't scored under 20 points since the end of March, since March 24th was the last time he scored under 20 points. He's had two 30-point games since then, a 50-point game. He's gotten close to 30 points against the Nuggets with 28. So he's finding his groove. And, and scoring-wise, at least, he's been... He's been doing most of it, and and he's looking more and more like the Jason Tatum we expect him to be eventually. Oh, yeah, it'll be a night for him to remember without question. Jason Tatum will definitely remember the night he first dropped 50, and he's the youngest Boston Celtics player, so that might have been what got everybody going. Larry Bird. He's the youngest since Larry Bird to go out there and drop the 50 points, and so that may be something that everybody was riding high on, too, because, listen, Paul Pierce didn't do it. No, he didn't. (laughs) Paul Pierce didn't do it, and I, everybody knows that's the truth's foundation right there. You know, the Boston for the Boston Celtics as of late. You know, their most recent Hall of Famer is Paul, none other than Paul Pierce. And so to see a guy like Jason Tatum go out there and drop 53, man, listen, I was here for it, and I'm here for it again when it happens again. You know, you <laughs> mentioning Paul Pierce, uh, I guess I, we could have put him on what NBA Twitter was talking we about. We could have, oh my God, but we don't. That that has something to do with like jobs and careers and we don't want to be stepping on nobody you know as a but he he seems to not care (laughs) he living his best life the dude crazy we we could have actually talked about it though (laughs) when i think about it we really could have like bro was on for those who don't know paul pierce was on was on instagram live with some women with some drugs (laughs) not not it was legal drugs but it was still some drugs he was enjoying life (laughs) i guess enjoying life and then 48 not even 48 hours later loses his job but he's still living his best life he said i'll be the bad guy he got the bad boys playing on instagram live post getting fired so he was feeling good i don't know i don't know anybody who's felt good after losing their job but that's just me you know the million dollar benefit i guess i uh (laughs) there was no i didn't see any nba past or present like defend him i don't think anyone likes him (laughs) I i don't think anyone likes paul pierce I so, no, nobody, nobody was feeling bad or anything like that. But he didn't feel bad for himself, so why feel bad for somebody who don't feel bad for themselves? So it's true, you know. Gotta stay positive. Gotta stay positive. But that's gonna conclude, buddy. This edition of Points in the Paint podcast presented by Stadium, the number one basketball podcast. Just like my boy Benny always says, Ben Winstein. Make sure you follow my main man's Ben Winstein and myself. Zach Badgerhouse, and you also follow Shams for all your NBA news around the association. Make sure you listen and subscribe to Trash and Treasure. They come out every Thursday. Make sure you listen to that, subscribe, and you'll hear from us next week.